Well, this morning we're going to look at the final section of Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, as we conclude our series on a different way, a, a different way of Jesus. As kids, when we were playing our games in the neighborhood, we worked hard often at some of those games at being unseen. We didn't want to be seen as people were chasing us. Sometimes as adults, we try to remain unseen. Perhaps we're peopled out or there's pressures in our life and we just want to be unseen. Just want to be invisible. And even Jesus suggests to us that there's this amazing value in being unseen as not being in the center of attention. Not, not life being all about us, but rather unseen. But that's not the unseen we're going to talk about today. You see, the unseen we're going to look at today is that feeling, that sense that you don't matter. That sense that you're not wanted. That feeling that no one sees you for the person that you actually are. I want you to join me in entering into the world of the first century leper. We're going to encounter a leper in this passage of scripture. But in the days of Jesus, the leper was one of the most unseen, while he was seen, people in the community. And that was with great intention, actually. Not only was he marked by his disease, but his social identity was wrapped up in this one declaration, and that declaration was unclean. In the book of Leviticus, we read these words, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So wherever you went, they they would not say, listen, here comes Jeff, or here comes Brenda, or here comes James, or here comes Serena, or here comes Alan. Your name was lost, and the culture gave you a new name. They gave you another label, unclean. When I was in the military, my interest in Jesus began to grow. And I became aware later of a conversation that was had with this small band of Christians on the island of Crete, Greece, where I was stationed. And that's where the Lord began to bring about this awakening in my life of my own need of Christ. But I discovered that that band of Christians, when they began to see what was happening in my life, they had a conversation. And and, and I found this out later. Now, I want you to think about what do you think that conversation was about, about this young man who was far from God, but was trying to find his way to God? What would that conversation be like? Well, it was told to me later when something like this. You know what? Jeff DeFranca will never change. He will never change. He will never come to Jesus. He's just too far gone. He will never change. You see, they had assigned me the label of unreachable or unchangeable. 
But the truth is, the real truth is, Jesus sees us. He truly sees us for the people we are and better yet, the people he can make us to be. Which brings us to this passage in Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 40. This is the word of the Lord to us today from the Gospel of Mark. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. <laughs> Instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. And yet... The people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have watched in Mark chapter 1 as Jesus has entered into his ministry and one time after another after another he's been encountering great need. Over and over. But this is this one time where this is more than just a healing of some kind of physical need, some kind of medical need, some kind of health condition that needs healing. It's, it's more than that. As we indicated, lepers in Jesus' day were the most outcast of all. They were unwanted. They were robbed of any meaningful touch and they lived in isolation. They were spiritual and social pariahs who were doomed to loneliness and loss of identity. They were forgotten and they were meant to be unseen. They were viewed as the unviewable, the unchangeable. And this case that we find in Mark's gospel is a whole lot more than just some small case of some little eczema or some skin issue, which in that day would have been considered leprosy as well. Luke's account of this describes the man this way. A man came along who was covered with leprosy, is what we know. So can you now hear the desperation in this man's voice? If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, this man knows that nearly everyone around him was not willing. They were not willing to touch him, let alone heal him. And if Jesus said, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that, no way. This man would have completely understood that reaction. You see, he was raised in a world where it was believed that it would be Healing someone of leprosy would be on the same par as raising someone from the dead. He probably thought it was impossible. I imagine this man might have even thought it was impossible even for God to make a difference in his life. The question the man suggests of Jesus is this. Will you meet me at this place in my life and world where I matter so little and I've lost so much? Will you? You know, Jesus, I know you can. I know you can. But will you? 
He reached out his hand, we read, and he touched this man. And Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. Wow. What do you hear in the response of Jesus today? What do you hear? I think this is what I hear. I hear him saying to this leper, and I hear him saying it to me, and I hear him saying it to you. I hear him saying, yes, yes, I certainly can. I can. But most of all, I want to. I want to touch you. And then Jesus touches him. You know, Jesus could have healed him with just a word. Jesus could have just said to him, be clean. And, and the man would have been cleansed of his leprosy. He could have done that. But instead, Jesus touches the man. And in doing so, Jesus himself becomes unclean. Jesus touches him and fully identifies with him, meeting him with just the power of his touch. Just his touch, in some ways I think, whether the man's physical leprosy was healed or not, would have brought healing to him. He'd be human again to him. Now there's ample research on the power of touch. Tons of research on the power of touch. But in this day and age, we really don't need all that research, do we? You see, we just have to live in a pandemic, socially distant world. And if we learned anything this year, it is about the power of touch. A simple touch can help premature babies gain weight, accelerate recovery from illness. A touch can calm us when we're afraid. It can encourage us to perform better. It can lower our heart rate. One study shows that students are more likely to enjoy the library and return if the librarian touches the back of their hand when they check out a book. Now there's a reason for that. Your skin, my skin, is the largest organ in the body. The largest organ in the body. And when, when it's touched, its sensory receptors are stimulated. And the hormone oxytocin the one that makes us feel good is released. And at the same time, cortisol, the stress hormone, is reduced. There's this raw power in touch. You know, I am sure that no one wanted to touch this man. But the moment Jesus touched this man, the oxytocin was released. The cortisol was reduced. And healing began. You see, the man had hope Jesus could heal him, but Jesus took it further by touching the man and healing him. He not only was revealing he could, but he was declaring to the man and everyone watching that he wanted to, that he has the power, but more importantly, that he had the want to touch him. I think that's an extraordinary thought, a powerful statement. It's great to talk about the God of power. But what about the God of want to? 
Now, what does that do for you? What does that say to you today? What does that say to me? What does it do for you to know that Jesus has the power to touch your life? That Jesus has the power to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you of your sins. That Jesus has the power to deal with that attitude that you carry. That Jesus has the power to meet you in the hard places, to give you comfort in your sorrows and strength in your weaknesses. That Jesus has the power to transform our identities into what God desires us to be. But Jesus also has the want to, to make all of that happen. As we soon enter the season of Lent, this Wednesday, as we move into Ash Wednesday, perhaps this is a good reminder to us. Betty Alvarez Ham writes this, Christ does not heal us by standing over us, by diagnosing our sickness, prescribing medicine for us to take, and then going away to leave us to get better by obeying his instructions, as an ordinary doctor might. No, Christ becomes the patient. He assumes the very humanity which is in need of redemption. Jesus reaches out and he touches this leper. He sees this leper. He touches him and he meets him and he becomes the patient in many ways. So where do you need Jesus to enter into your humanity and to touch you and to say, I can do it and I want to do it? Where is that? Where do you need his restoring touch? Where does it seem impossible for anyone, including God, to make a difference? Isn't that what this man is suggesting? From his perspective, no one wants to change his world. No one. And as the saying goes, it is what it is, that is until Jesus says it isn't. So can you hear Jesus saying to you, I can and I want to. I want to. The want to of Jesus is something we all need to hear and we all need to remember. Jesus sees us and he can touch us, but best of all, he wants to. He wants to. I can't help but go back to words from Matthew eleven twenty eight. The New Testament for Everyone translation puts it this way. Are you having a real struggle? Come to me. Are you carrying a big load on your back? Come to me. I'll give you a rest. The approach of Jesus with this man reminds me that this is his approach to me. Especially in the places where no one sees. In the place where I'm most alone. In the place where I feel most unseen. How glad I am that God sees us. God sees us even when others misunderstand us or malign us or label us. And here's the beauty in all of that. Here's the beauty. When he sees us, he wants to touch us. He wants to restore us. He wants to meet us. But then what happens? What happens with that touch? 
Is it that part of this different way, and maybe we've been trying to say this all along, that an extension of the touch of Jesus on our lives is that we then must ask a question. Where do I need to see and restore the humanity in others? Where do I need to see people and touch people as Jesus did? Did you hear those words from Mark's gospel again? Chapter 1, verse 41. It says, Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. In this amazing and interesting exchange, we see that Jesus saw this leper and listened to him, but it says Jesus was indignant. Now that seems odd. That's the New International Version translation, doesn't it? Is Jesus actually upset that this man is reaching out to him? What could be happening here? Now now this word is translated in different ways. It's translated as indignant. It's translated as compassion or compassionate. Splunknidzomai is the word. It sounds like something going on inside, just the sound of the word. But the word has the idea of having such a strong emotional response that you have a visceral response. Even like your stomach turning. So perhaps... The Common English Bible gives another side, maybe the best translation to this, when it says that Jesus was incensed. Something was happening to Jesus as he looked at this leper. What is causing such a response from Jesus? This is not just feeling sorry for a guy. But there's something happening deep within Jesus. And I don't think it's about him being upset that this man came to him. Rather, this is compassion. But it is compassion born out of his indignation for the way this man was being treated. His indignation for the life this man had. His indignation for his brokenness. This response. The fact that the man even had to be asked to be touched, to be seen. That is what moved Jesus. And it makes me wonder about me. Do I have indignation for the way some people in my world are treated? That when I look at the way some people are assigned an identity that allows me to not really see them as human beings? Are there persons I assign the label unclean to? I would never say that. None of us would ever say that. But do I view some as lepers? Do I view some as unchangeable, as unredeemable, as not acceptable, as not welcome, as not good enough, as not Christian enough, as not on the right political side enough, as not agreeing with me enough, as whatever it is, as not enough? Right now, to yourself, name who that person, who that type of person is, who maybe you assign the label leper. You see, the moment I assign a person a label, I dehumanize them. And if I dehumanize them, then I don't have to value them. That's the whole point. They're unclean. Let's not see them. I no longer have to value them. And you know, that's really actually the core issue of the true belief of the sanctity of human life. 
The moment we label a preborn baby just a piece of flesh or fetus, the moment we do that, we don't have to value her anymore. The same with the father who's longing for something better for his family. When we label him illegal immigrant, all we have to do is not see him anymore. Or the broken businessman we label as the beggar as he holds the sign at exit six by Starbucks. Or the person who's different than us so we assign the label that recognizes their difference. Here's a crazy thought. I wonder if God wants to redeem the pandemic this way. I wonder if God wants to use the necessary reality of social distancing, and it is a necessary reality. I wonder if he wants to use the necessary reality of social distancing to help us understand the need for us to see and touch those who we want to keep at a distance. I wonder if he wants to actually help us see the importance of seeing people. I just wonder that. I wonder if God desires us to actually show love in that way. Minutes before this service today, my friend Wesley Tink sent me a text. And I feel compelled to read this to you. These are words from Henri Nouwen, spiritual formation and director of ages past. But when I read these words, I was so struck by them. He says, whenever contrary to the world's vindictiveness, we love our enemy, we exhibit something of the perfect love of God, whose will is to bring all human beings together as children of one father. Hear that again. Whenever contrary to the world's vindictiveness, we love our enemy, we exhibit something of the perfect love of God, whose will is to bring all human beings together as children of one father. Whenever we forgive instead of getting angry at one another, bless instead of cursing one another, tend another's wounds instead of rubbing salt into them, hearten instead of discouraging one another, give hope instead of driving one another to despair, hug instead of harassing one another, welcome instead of cold-shouldering one another, thank instead of criticizing one another, praise instead of maligning one another. In short, whenever we opt for and not against one another, we make God's unconditional love visible and we are diminishing violence and giving birth to a new community. Is that maybe what God is wanting us to see? Even in this leper, how Jesus, in just touching him, touching him, was demonstrating perfect love to him. Was breaking down walls that had been erected was choosing instead to bring restoration in his short way. You see, this leper was assigned the unclean category by the religious people. And now he no longer had to be treated as human because quite literally they did not see him. And the moment we can move people to the unseen category, the unseen label, the easier it is to dismiss them, disregard them, and even destroy them. The moment we move them to enemy, or the moment we move them to not enough, it becomes easier to dismiss them. To dismiss them. 
to disregard them and to even destroy them. I'm reminded of the words in Matthew 25 that speak about the final judgment when Jesus said, Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And you know the least? (laughs) They come in all different shapes and sizes, all different expressions. But Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. It's all about seeing people And Jesus sees this leper. I think the words of the Lord uh, given to Samuel as he was trying to find the new king of Israel are worth repeating. You remember them perhaps from 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now that's a completely different way of seeing, isn't it? And that ability, that ability for us to see differently though isn't something that... We can just manufacture ourselves. That comes from Jesus and his willingness to heal us, his want to to heal us. And so now this is where we end. This is where we end this sermon and this is where we end this series. It always humors me that Jesus tells this man to not tell anyone. And you know what the man does? He refuses. He refuses. I I love that because that's just so human. Jesus wanted him to go to the priest because it was the priest that assigned him the identity of unseen. But because this man is now, in his own eyes, human again, he does the most human thing. It says, instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And so I ask myself, as I watch this man, I see him running to his family, to his friends, to his neighbors, to the guy on the street he runs into. I ask myself, am I so overcome and moved and touched by the grace of Jesus in my life? That I, in turn, simply can't help myself. And I must see and I begin to see people as he sees them. And I must become an avenue of good news to the people I come in contact with. Is that who I am? Is that what grace has done to me? That, I, that, that the good news Jesus can and the good news that Jesus wants to touch us with his grace... See, that is indeed his different way of seeing and touching. And so we end there. It's time to go out and tell people the good news of this different way, first and foremost, by living it. It is a different way to be, to live, to do, to reveal. So may we live this different way of Jesus. Amen. Our instrumentalists are going to come and I want to
make a suggestion to you. You're going to hear them, hear them playing Healing Rain. I want to invite you to go and Google um, Michael W. Smith's official video for Healing Rain. I invite you to do that sometime today. And watch the video. Just watch it. And watch the images of what God's healing grace does in the lives of people. Remember, only the Son of Man can take a leper and make him stand. So lift your hands that can be held by someone greater, the great I Am. Lord, we just thank you so much for your touch. We're grateful, Lord God, that you can and you want to. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be so struck by your grace. Your grace in our lives. Not, not the grace out there or someone else perhaps, but that we'd be just so struck by the grace in our own lives. That we're not the unchangeable that we're not the unredeemable, that we're not the unseen, that we're not the unclean. May we be caught, caught up in your love, which builds a bridge to us. And may somehow we build the bridge to others with that same love. We desire to live a different way. And never before in my lifetime has that different way of Jesus been needed. So be with us, Lord God. Help us not to start with someone out there, but help me to draw a circle around myself and begin right here to live this different way. And your healing reign, God, I do pray that it comes down, that it pours out, and that we see that you can make a difference, and that you want to make a difference. So right now, Lord God, all those folks that we prayed for earlier and asked you to hold and the things in our own lives that we're asking you to hold, Lord God, meet us, we pray. Remind us that we're not unforgivable. Remind us that we're not unredeemable. And remind us that you can and you want to change our lives and cause us to live this different way. Thank you, God. Thank you for that truth. Go with us now in the power of your spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen.